Our scripture reading from this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And I'm actually going to pull a wild card in here and read through 9, if I may. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. And verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can we let Lauren do wild cards like that? Throw wild cards? I don't know. I have to talk. Just kidding. That was good. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Yesterday afternoon here in this sanctuary, we had a funeral, I officiated a funeral, for a woman named Sharon Brenamere. Now, I had never met Sharon, but she lived in Wash Park, her whole, almost her whole life, just the last few years she didn't. So it was important to her family that the service take place in this neighborhood. It was a lovely service with six different eulogists sharing stories and memories of Sharon's life. I was particularly moved by one of the granddaughters who shared how much her grandmother meant to her, how many practices and traditions she had passed down to her grand and great-grandchildren, the love of the mountains, particularly skiing, the practices of gardening and baking Christmas cookies together every year, every year, every year, being strong and resilient and celebrating family every chance you get. It was a beautiful testimonial of the power of the connection between people that can spread across generations. Because being connected to others, being a part of something bigger than ourselves is a basic human emotional need. And as people of faith, one of the things that can bind us to others is our shared worship of a God who loves us. Do you know that God loves you? God loves you. God loves you. And the choir, too. 
Each week, our bishop, Bishop Karen Olivito, the Mountain Sky Conference, sends a Facebook message out to the conference. This week, she was reflecting on those in her life that taught her about God's great love, grandparents, family, friends, pastors. And then she wrote, in the course of my ministry, my heart has been broken too many times when I have encountered people who have never had someone tell them that God loves them with a love that will never let them go. They were never assured that they have a friend in Jesus. No one took the time to help them experience God's love for them, that they are precious in God's sight. One of the most powerful stories in existence is the story that God loves us and will never leave us. And for those that don't have a story of belonging deep in their souls, that void might be filled with fear or shame or abandonment. When the Gospel writer of John is addressing his audience, according to David Loos, there was precious little evidence available to the disciples or John's community that they had not been abandoned. So let's think a little bit about the context of the scripture that we heard today. The date in which this was written is thought to be sometime between 90 and 100 Common Era, meaning that this community for which John is writing has already been living without the leadership of Jesus for decades. They have likely been thrown out of their own synagogues, scattered and disconnected. But even in this context, or probably because of this context, John shares the words of Jesus that his death will not be a senseless pruning, but that they will survive and even flourish. It's interesting to hear this scripture about the vine and the branches, and especially those that are pruned and thrown away and set on fire. It can be easy to hear some of this pruning language as judgment. But many of the scholars I read suggested that this is actually a message of profound promise. Again, David Loos writes, here's the thing. If Jesus had only said, abide in me or else, that would be a different matter. But it's not. Abide in me, Jesus says, as I abide in you. This is more than good advice. This is more than an invitation. This is a promise that no matter what happens, Jesus will be with us. That no matter what happens, Jesus will hold on to us. That no matter what happens, God in Jesus will bring all good things to a good end. The promise here is that we are never alone. We are never abandoned by our God that loves us. 
Even more, the connection to God connects us to others, an entwined vine shooting off in various directions, living and bearing fruit. Preaching professor Caroline Lewis writes, Bearing fruit has everything to do with who you are in relationship. I wonder if this is what we tend to forget or ignore, she writes, that the manifestations of our faith are not individual expressions of our theological commitments and convictions, but are deeply lodged in and arise from the communities in our lives that there is a truncated potential for faith embodied if we do not realize that the bearing of the fruit of our faith is premised on dependence. Being dependent on others can be difficult for our independent, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make something of yourself society. It can be interpreted as a sign of weakness to not be self-sufficient in all things. Maybe it's just me that feels that way sometimes. Do you ever feel that way? Years and years ago, when I was a brand new pastor in Cheyenne, um, Jimbo and I had the opportunity to buy the house we had been renting there in Wyoming. It was a tiny old farmhouse south of town, but it worked for us even though at times we did have like seven people living in our two-bedroom house. Um, anyway, that's a different story. But we made it work. Everything seemed to be going smoothly in this purchase of this house. We had been living in a parsonage previous until the inspection. When they looked at the paint on the exterior of the home and said, that has lead in it and gave us a whole few days to get the whole house painted before we closed on everything. Now, we didn't have money to hire anyone, so it was going to just have to be me and Jimbo that got this done. And I had a job, and I had children, and things to do, and it stressed me to no end. I was sharing this with a parishioner there in Cheyenne who asked if she and her family could come and help us. Of course not, I said. We're fine. We have this totally, totally handled. I mean, I was the pastor. I was supposed to help other people, not other people help me. I was the one to organize efforts around other families when they were in need. I was the one to make offers of help. I didn't want to take up anyone's energy by helping me when they could help someone else. All of this, of course, was stupid. And this parishioner knew it. Sandy, she said, in a very maternal voice, it's like, I'm your pastor. What are, you, what are you saying to me? This is what we're here for. It is our gift and responsibility to extend to you what we would extend to anyone else in our community. We are going to help you. And then others stepped up. A few people took off an hour after work to come and prep and paint. Someone else 
organized a group of youth to come and clean up. There was a big old part of me that was embarrassed to have needed help. To let the congregation see this tiny little nothing of a house that we could barely afford, or the dog poop in our yard that I hadn't had time to pick up, or to know that I was stressed out beyond my capacity to deal with. I had to be vulnerable, vulnerable, and dependent upon the grace and love that the people in that community wanted to share with me. It connected us and led to many years of shared life and bound us together. It was good practice to be dependent on others. Of course, when I came here eight years ago, I thought, <laughs> these people have no idea the depths of need that I have, especially when after being here about a week, Jimbo and I found out that our daughter had been um, on meth for a year, we didn't know it, and was taking herself to the hospital. I'm not sure I shared it with the whole congregation at that time, but there were individuals in the church here that supported us, that cared for us, and without some of those people, with our, without our staff, we would not have survived. And then the depth of your celebration when my daughter was finally clean and able to be among us as a healthy person was even that much brighter. At Washington Park Church, here we're in a new season. As I mentioned before, we're kind of gathering back together, of finding ourselves in the same place again after summer that typically scatters us all about. And in this new sermon series, Linked, see the, the links up here? So cute, right? Thank you, Nancy. And because of Lori Euronymous, we have the opportunity for you to participate in creating a paper chain of wonderful, colorful links at our um, potluck after, not potluck, cookout after. We're invited to reflect on the ways that we are connected to this community. Maybe it's through personal relationships, maybe it's shared activities, maybe it's a common faith. We celebrate that we share meals together, that we sing with one another, that we read together and pray together and laugh together. So we'll make a, a physical representation of that with our paper chain. And through it all, our bond is made stronger by the love that God has for us and that we share for others. At the funeral yesterday, I was talking with an elderly woman just as we were passing in the hallway. 
and she shared that her parents had been members of this church probably way before you were born, she said, and laughed. We stood, we chatted about the beautiful building and all of the amazing things that this church has done in the community over many, many years. It's still a wonderful group of people, I said. And I am so glad that we could be connected by your stories and memories of our church. And she smiled and patted my hand and said, me too, me too. Friends, through the love and grace of Jesus, we are forever and irrevocably, I knew I was going to mess up that word, linked. Blessed be the tie that binds. Thanks be to God. Amen.